What's up, podcast world? So good to be with you. This is Shane Haley. Um, I'm guessing most of you know that at this point. <laughs> we don't have a ton of new listeners, um, but we got a lot of faithful listeners, which is fun. Mm-hmm. So um, today we are going to be sharing. Well, really, Haley's going to be sharing kind of what she was learning and reading through and teaching through in one of her kids' own lessons recently. Right? Yeah. yeah. Am I remember that correctly? <laughs> yeah, today's going to be a little more like Bible study-esque. Um, we're in a series in Kids Zone. I'm a fourth and fifth grade pastor. And we are looking at half of the series is God searching for us. And the other half, we're looking at how we search for God. So the first week we were talking about the parable of the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin. And I don't know that I've ever specifically done research on either one of these passages. So I was just going to read the passages and then talk through the things I was learning while doing this research and just like how the truth of this passage hit me in a different way. Things I didn't know about it or didn't, didn't realize existed within the passage. Um, just to share the truth and and to encourage people listening to, um, to know that God searches and seeks after you no matter where you are before you even know who he is. And he's done that. If you already know who he is, he's done that before now. Um, and to encourage you in like the actual application of Bible study, Hmm. like to keep seeking after the word and dive into it. In fact, maybe that will be, that was a very loud noise from Athelia's room. Maybe that will be um, another podcast very soon. The mm. passage I just preached on for high school was, man does not live on bread alone, mm. but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Um, and I feel like the fact that that talks about the actual word being our food and what fills us and our weapon against the enemy is just really powerful. So that's just a brief encouragement and reminder that God's word is not only what sustains us, but actually protects us against the enemy. Um, That was a little side step, side note, actual spiritual side note. (laughs) So the passage I'm going to read from is in Luke 15 verses one to 10. Because I'm on a podcast, you can, uh, Pause me and find that if you want to. Otherwise, I'm just going to read it to you from the ESV, which is English Standard Version. For those of you who don't know, the Bible was not originally written in English. It was written in Hebrew and Greek and some parts in Aramaic. It's been translated into English. Therefore, we have multiple versions of these translations. Some of them are very literal. Um, like what the Greek or Hebrew word says word for word. And it can actually be really difficult to read in English because it doesn't always make sense with the way we talk. Other versions are more um, paraphrased. So they try to make the word as understandable as possible without doing um, much service to the actual literal translation of the words. ESV leans more towards the literal side of things. Um, that was just a, a brief Bible study tool for those of you who are like, what, what is, what's an ESV? Um, the Bible is written in multiple versions for the English language. I would suggest finding something that's understandable, but also um, leans more towards what the words mean. Because Hebrew and Greek have nuances that our English language doesn't. Um, so to find a version that kind of collects both, I think, is really powerful. 
You should have had time now to find the Luke 15 passage. Yeah, but they already paused, found it, and then, yeah. Sweet. That's Here funny. we go. <laughs> now, the tax collectors and sinners were all drawing near to him, Jesus. And the Pharisees and the scribes grumbled, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he told them this parable. A parable was a story Jesus told to teach a lesson. What man of you, having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Just so, I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Or what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and seek diligently until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and her neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found the coin that I had lost. Just so, I tell you, there's joy before the angels of God over one sinner who repents. So... I've probably heard these stories no less than dozens and dozens of times from the time I was a child. <coughs> and I, I mean, I found it remarkable that, oh, God talks about himself being a shepherd and we're lost sheep. But I don't think I understood for quite some time how stupid sheep are. <laughs> like they're just one of the most dumb animals. In fact, I said that this weekend and one of the kids... And my class raised his hand, and he was like, yeah, I, I do sheep for 4-H, and they are really stupid. But I can't remember why he said that, but he was like, mm. yeah, I actually know sheep. They're really dumb. And he gave, like, an example of it. I was like, yeah, this is still real life, isn't it? Because <clears throat> I think sometimes we have this romantical view of what it would be to be a shepherd and, like, you know, calling your flock to you. But sheep are notorious for getting themselves into trouble. They just kind of like wander off. And in my research this last week, what I found was sheep are so inept at being able to find their way back to the herd that they will actually bleat, like make noises for the herd to respond. And as the herd responds, they will walk the opposite direction. Like they're that (laughs) unable (laughs) to find their way home. Oh my goodness. And yet sheep are really supposed to know their shepherd's voice. Like they can, they could hear him and come to him. He's the one that has to lead them into places where they have food and water and shelter and safety. Um, And they, in this particular parable, there are 99 sheep who are left behind. And it might be easy to be like, well, why would you leave the 99? Like, why would you put them at risk? And one of the commentaries I was reading was talking about how it's probably less so about the fact that these 99 weren't safe. We can either assume they were safe or the whole point of the parable um, was Jesus finding this lost sheep in the rejoicing part. Jesus was really honing in on this rejoicing piece of both of these parables. So in the parable, the shepherd leaves the 99 that we can assume are safe. And we can assume that Jesus was referring to those who were already, quote, righteous. 
um, and going to seek after the one who is lost and can't find their way home, doesn't even know they need to be found. And the shepherd goes and finds the sheep and brings them home and then calls everyone together to rejoice. And he, (coughs) so sorry. Um, At the end of this parable, he says, I can read it because it's right in front of me. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents and over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. The Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious leaders of the day, would have been baffled by an idea that there is a God who goes to seek after his people and that sinners are found and then can repent. They would have believed you were righteous and then saved, not saved, and then you become like a righteous, holy, transformed person. You had to do everything right before you were, quote, let in to this place. And Jesus was spinning all of this on its head and telling the Pharisees and Sadducees that it's not about having it all right and then being saved, that he came to seek out the lost and to save them. Um, and the repenting part I'll talk about after I talk about this next piece, the parable of the lost coin, it talks about this woman who had 10 coins. And one of the ideas of why this would have been important, um, cause it doesn't say she was a, a widow or something and, and, or these were her last 10 coins, though it could have been either one of those things. But historically women would wear like this kind of headdress when they were married that had 10 coins on it. So if you lost one of that coin, one of those coins, it would have been like the equivalent of us losing like a wedding ring. It would have mm. meant a really, really big deal. That was like the sign of her covenant and her marriage. And so she lights a candle and cleans diligently in her house until she finds it. And we've all heard the phrase, at least I think we have, finders, keepers, losers, weepers. Like we would say that to each other as kids, Right. And how untrue that phrase actually is. Hmm. Because if you like took your favorite thing somewhere and you left it, I'm using the words I used with the kids, like your favoriteest thing, and you left it there and you got home and you realized you left it, you wouldn't be like, oh, no big deal. I hope that person enjoys it. You would go back probably frantically searching for that thing. And if you saw it in someone's hand, you wouldn't be like, ah, nuts, it's theirs now. (laughs) Like, even though you left it there, to you, it's still yours. And you'd run up and be like, oh my gosh, you found it. Can I please have it? Like, oh my gosh, this is so exciting. Um, and I, I feel like the way I was reading this and reading the commentary was that God's people are never lost when they aren't found. They're always his. Hmm. They're never anyone else's. Yeah. He never sees them as, okay, well, you, you're, you're his now. Like, they're... They're my people, and I'm going to seek after them until I find them. And he isn't going to not seek us out because we're lost or because we need help. But when he brings us back, like repentance isn't necessary for Jesus to find us, but it's demanded once we've been found in Mm -hmm. order to actually live a transformed life. Because repentance is different than being sorry, like, oh, Nuts, sorry I got caught. And then you go back to doing whatever it was you were doing. Repentance is like flipping a 180, asking for forgiveness, and then actually seeking the change and transformation of your heart. 
Sorry, I feel like I'm about to sneeze. But if I say it, then it'll go away. Yeah, so it'll be exactly. fine. Okay. Yeah, you're good. <laughs> um, Don't sneeze. Right. So the fact that repentance is listed at the end of both of these, Jesus is still bringing in the fact that we still have to make a choice as mm. a found people. Yeah. He comes to seek us out and to find the lost and the broken. But then there is a response that is quote, demanded, like God's mm-hmm. not actually demanding that, right? But Jesus finding us demands a response. Like, are we going to choose him or not? Um, and we can either choose repentance, and then there is much rejoicing, or we can go back to where we were. Mm-hmm. So th- there's just, like, multiple layers of this parable where, like, Jesus seeks out the lost. He calls together the people around him to rejoice. The people who are lost are never not his, and he's done everything to find them. And to save them. Um, yep, it's gone. I had one more thing to say. And <laughs> I lost it. Oh, that the church is now this as well. Like God uses us to help find the lost. Mm-hmm. So in the same way that the w- woman lights the candle and cleans out the house and pulls people together to rejoice, we are to be the light of the world where we light a candle for the world to see that there's something we help clean out this space, like calling each other like up and into things and calling people in and cleaning out the space. So there's room for people um, cleaning out our hearts. Right. And then like calling this like party together, this community of rejoicing that like God uses to bring people home. So anyway, I'm, gonna be real like I only feel like half present because I don't feel good today and I feel like I'm missing lots of the things that felt really like poignant and in a way that I Hmm. wanted to like communicate um well but the truth is still true that like Jesus seeks each of us out in Romans it talks about before like while we were still sinners before we were righteous Christ came to die for us which mirrors this parable, like before we even knew we needed to be found, he came and found us before we even knew we needed saving. He came to save us. Like before we were born, he came to save us. And Jesus, who was the word at the beginning, who put on flesh, was a part of creation made us in his image, made the world he knew he was going to die in and the people he knew we're going to kill him. And he still did it anyway. Uh, he like still came to seek us out when he set all of this into motion and then used himself as the perfect sacrifice and came seeking after us to leave the 99 to find the one, just highlighting the importance of like how important each one of us is. And we're really good in our culture and in our world making it about us. So I don't mean to like breathe into that puffed up pride that like it's about me. But the humility at which, like, Jesus gave everything and we can take on the humility of how small we are. And yet he sought us out to, like, find us and bring us home. And um, we can react in repentance mm-hmm. in that, just recognizing, like, how powerful it is that Jesus gave all of that so we could have everything, so we could live and truly experience life in him. Um, and then just highlighting how important the rejoicing part is. Yeah. Like, our God is a God of rejoicing. He had feasts throughout the whole year. Whoops. Whereas people would literally, like, take time to do nothing but eat with community and family and celebrate who God was. Um, 
there's just such a, a poignant piece in this with like the repentance and the rejoicing. Like there's much joy when these things happen. So that was kind of like my kid's own lesson in a nutshell that I wanted to communicate to someone who hopefully needed to hear that you're that loved, that important, or that someone you know is that loved and that important and God doesn't stop seeking them out. And he might even use you to do that, to show love and light to, to people who are lost and needing, needing to find a home. So, yeah. And the thing that I love about that too, is he's God or Jesus who is God, but uh, Jesus who's sharing the parable, um, isn't just highlighting like that we need to, to rejoice and be rejoiceful, but like he is the shepherd and he is the woman in this parable. Mm-hmm. He's the one who comes to seek and save the lost. And so if you take that parable, he is that person, which means he's the one inviting mm-hmm. the heavenly realms to rejoice with him. So like the idea mm-hmm. that like he rejoices over you, um, which is another passage. I can't remember the reference to that, but the idea that he like rejoices over you. So like you said, not in a prideful way, but in a humbling way of like, man, when when I came into right relationship with him, when I chose that after he chased me down, I chose repentance and I chose to allow him to be my savior and the Lord and leader of my life, like that he rejoiced because of mm. that and of that decision. And he rejoiced over me. Like, I don't know, there's, I just think there's power that not just that we need to rejoice, but he rejoices on our behalf. Yeah. Um, and really sets the tone and the example of, Rejoicing, And I love, too, that I think it um, really points, specifically Jesus is talking to the Pharisees and Sadducees in parts of this about the righteousness piece, but it's for everyone to know that, like, there's nothing we could do to make him find us, and, like, him saving us isn't up to us, and, like, us being perfect or having everything together oh, well, I'm too far gone. Like, you're never too far for the shepherd to come find you. Mm -hmm. I say this with all the love and respect in the world. We're just that stupid. Like, we don't even know where we are sometimes, but he does. He knows exactly where we are. And he comes to find us. But the repentance piece, the even choosing to allow him to be the Lord of our lives, like, we can't do that by ourselves. He has to find us. Mm. And then we're able to recognize, like, our desperate need for that saving like you mean like we're just responding to him. yeah we are like, absolutely yeah. just responding to yeah. an action there's nothing that's like makes that happen in mm. and from us it just is who he is and it just there's something about that that i feel is hard to accept and yet is super freeing mm. like there's nothing i could do to earn that salvation. And I think there's almost like a womp womp inside some of us humans who are like, but I wish I could earn it. Like Mm -hmm. I want to, because that was like everything, but we just can't like we're, we can't, we are literally dust. Mm -hmm. So there's, there's just such a freedom in recognizing that it's not anything to do with me. I can respond to him and he, Mm -hmm. his Holy spirit gives me the power to respond and to choose continued repentance um, because there are moments I still walk away from the herd and he has to come find me. I, I do that less often now. I'm learning boundaries and how to stay close to him. 
but there are times I'm still really stupid and I make decisions that have me wandering off and he comes and seeks me out and brings me home and cares for me and does it lovingly and isn't scolding, but there is discipline and there is, there's a piece of staying close to him. So I know where he is and what his voice is saying and, um, and the power of being, interestingly, each of these, like, whether it's the sheep or the coin, are separate from a group. Like, we're brought home to a family. Mm, yeah, They're not yeah. brought home just to him, though yeah. that's true, too. He brings us home to the family. Then we're just not meant to do this alone, like, at all. Definitely not alone without him, but we're meant to be a part of a body of people who yeah. calls each other back and welcomes each other home and rejoices when when people come home. So I think that just highlights like the surrendering judgmentalism and frustration at people and lack of forgiveness and well, we really see that in the parable of the loving father where yeah. the son runs away and the older brother is like annoyed like why are you throwing him in this party? <laughs> I've been here this whole time. Um which is actually the very see- next very next parable is it right yeah. after i couldn't mm-hmm. remember if it was before or after okay um and yeah Which just cool. highlighting where he i think in that way jesus is actually like indicating to the pharisees listening mm-hmm. like you're the brother right now you're mad that i'm mm-hmm. loving these who are far off who have run away um and you're sitting here throwing a pity party even though you know the truth and you've gotten to mm-hmm. uh well had the opportunity to walk alongside God, mm. but Jesus made it clear they're like whitewashed tombs where their um, insides were um, de- dying and mm. uh, reaped of death and decay. So, um, yeah, just highlighting that that idea of when we are there and somebody's brought back into the family, like rather than putting up an arm or not rejoicing, like simply rejoicing at their decision to come back. Even if everything isn't figured out yet, like maybe they still are struggling with some of the same sin issues as to why they left and that will be addressed and that takes time. But Mm -hmm. like that initial, like, I'm just glad you're back. Like I'm just as a brother, as a sister in Christ, like, you chose, you made the decision to come home. Mm. Um, and it's because of the love of the Father. I mean, Scripture even tells us we love because he first loved us, that we're just responding to his love. But um, I think that hit me a few years back more heavily of, like, mm. what what level of either s- almost, like, sadness. Like, man, what, why, do, why do other people get to go off and do whatever they want and then they come to Jesus and then it's like man they they just got to make whatever decisions they want they didn't care but they still get salvation like they weren't living or abiding by what God has for them um, rather than recognizing that because um, uh, Jesus has come that we might have life and have it to the full that I've actually got to experience the fullness of life Mm -hmm. with less hurt and pain and so like um, not that not that being a Christ follower means it's easy. It just means there's a fullness there that we can't really quantify. Um, but it's the fullness of peace and joy that is deep seated. Um, and so I've actually got to experience that fullness of life, um, as a part of the body of Christ for so long that other Mm -hmm. people have missed out on that. They, when I hear people talk who have come to know Jesus later in life, 
they don't like they would have rather have come to know him sooner yeah. and to been in that relationship sooner. It's not like, oh, they got to go do all the fun things and then they decided to turn their life to Jesus and become boring Christians. Like that's not um that's how the Christianity I think is perceived from the world a lot mm. of times, but um the beauty and the joy and the fullness of life that comes from being in relationship with God um is amazing and that's what the father highlights in that parable to the older son he's like you you have shared mm. with me and everything that i have don't be mad that i'm loving your brother in this way like you've been a part and you've had a share in in who i am and everything that i own um i don't know just a mm. beautiful reminder it really is it really is you look like you were thinking about something I was while I was talking. I was you lost it. Yep. yep. It's understandable. Clearly was not necessary to say. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. So, anything else about the, the parable that is coming back to you that jumped out at you? If not, it's okay. I have another question. But I'm just um, I don't think so. Okay. Now, for the potentially funny part... Did you have any good responses from kids, like silly questions or confused things or statements or anything? Like, um, gosh, like I, yeah, I found a penny and it was had poop on it the other day or something <laughs> ridiculous like that. I do get comments like that a lot. <laughs> I do think someone raised their hand and said something that had nothing to do with what I was talking about. I was like, cool, thanks. And I just kept going. But I don't remember what it was. And then the one kid about the, the stupid sheep and the 4-H thing. Oh, that's right. Yeah. I feel like someone right after him said something. But I can't remember what it was. How do you balance, kind of off topic, yeah. uh, actually very off topic, uh, how do you balance calling on kids during <laughs> your teaching time? Because I've had that a couple times where like yeah. students will raise their hand and rarely i've called on them and usually it's not beneficial for the group so i actually have started ignoring it more and just like wait for them to get in their groups where they yeah. could hopefully ask their their group leader the question or something but how do you do yeah. that um i don't know i actually either address it like overarchingly like hey if you have a question i'm almost done ask your leader mm. or come up and ask me afterwards yeah yeah that's um, good because I do, I think fourth and fifth graders and the middle schoolers are close enough to the same mindset that their reasons for wanting to raise their hands can be quite similar. Mm -hmm. Like a long story and tangent that um, sometimes will have something to do with what we're talking about, but often not. Mm -hmm. So I, another way I handle it is I know that there are a couple of kiddos, like the kiddo I called on that actually ended up telling me about his sheep he is actually incredibly wise and very intelligent and mm. very biblically like astute mm. for a fifth grader. So I will often call on him if he raises his hand because he actually has something that contributes to what we're talking about. And sometimes it's something I don't know. Mm. Um, and there's a girl like that too. So sometimes it's knowing my kiddos personalities yeah. that there's a couple kids who just want to talk to talk. Yeah. And in the past, if I'm honest, like a couple of those kiddos have then had something to say that was actually important to what we were talking about. But sometimes it'll be like just saying a really stupid random word. 
just to try to get a laugh out of everybody. Yeah. So there are moments like that that, like, if I can just sense that we're not quite in this space to um, where I'm not discerning with peace, like, to call on them, I just, like, press forward and give the overarching, like, ask your leader. Yeah. I actually, I'm trying to do better about calling on kiddos because one of the other fourth and fifth grade leaders who will teach when I'm not teaching does a great job about calling on mm. the kiddos or at least more so. Cause she'll end up telling me like, I had these three or four great questions that I had no idea how to answer them, mm. like sort of thing. Um, so part of me is learning the balance of like, I'm not just trying to get through a program, but yeah. I am also teaching the word is so important that to randomly derail us, um, isn't always beneficial. Like there are moments I want the kids to know, like I see you and I'm calling on you because a part of that is like honestly directly tied to what we're talking about. Them knowing that God sees them. Mm-hmm. Like I see you, I'm not ignoring you. And I'm not only going to call on this girl and this boy. Cause I know that they have something to say that actually has to do with what we're talking about, but that I actually see you and it's important what you're asking or kids will be raising their hand for a long time. And I'm finally like, yes, can I go potty? Like, Sure. (laughs) You could have actually just gotten up and like gone back to your leader and asked that, but they will literally just wait those moments. I feel kind of bad because I'm like, you've been holding that for a while, (laughs) but it is really amazing to me how long kids will hold up their hand. Mm -hmm. That also shows me how important it is. Like, if it's like, ah, nah, then they might not, they might not really want me to call on them. But after like five minutes. Yeah. Anyway. So, to kind of circle back to more of a serious note, um, I I f- feel like based off <clears throat> the text and understanding the text that these parables are around salvation, um, but it also, especially with the repentance aspect, it almost feels that way with anything that we might have decided to try to take back control or yeah. to kind of... Um, basically enter into an area of sin where it's not that we've stopped believing in God or stopped pursuing him, but we've just either um, subconsciously or just consciously, we've tried to take back control of the situation. And um, then Jesus continues to, to seek us out and the Holy spirit challenges us or convicts us or use other people to be like, Hey, I've been seeing this in you. Um, And, uh, so how have you felt, I would say, seen by God in that way lately where you feel pursued even when maybe you, quote, unquote, didn't feel like you deserved it? Or, um, yeah, how have you felt like the lost sheep or coin lately? Well, because I had a salvation experience like a long, long time ago, 27 years ago, jeepers. I have been near the shepherd for a significant portion of my life. Yeah. Um, Though I have not always been a sheep that stays near all the time. I've spent enough time in his presence, specifically as of late in like the last couple years where I'm learning his voice in a different way Hmm. that in seasons where I'm struggling with trying to fill myself or I'm reacting out of anxiety or fear or lack of control, I can hear him, if we're going with this metaphor, as I'm walking away, like I can hear him calling to me. Mm. And like the stupidity of me is like, I want to turn around, but I can't. And not because I, 
I'm like, oh, I'm too rotten. But literally, it's like I'm just straight up following my flesh. Like, mm. my flesh is compelling me to, like, take control of this situation. And, like, yeah. I just feel like I have to do it. Um, even though he's calling to me and I know where I'm safe, there are just times I feel like I absolutely can't do it. Almost like I can't turn my little sheep body around, you know? Um, though I can. So there have been like several moments in the last couple of weeks where, um, I've been very aware. I'll actually say the last week has been better. So two weeks before this last week, um, for a couple of weeks where I was just really struggling with old habits, like mm. eating habits or even just drinking coffee or sparkling water, like all of the time because I didn't know what to do with myself. And I just wanted to feel full because I felt so uncomfortable and out of control and um, confused maybe or depressed where I just, I wanted to eat something all the time or mm. have something in my mouth all the time. And as small as that may seem to someone, that's a part of like my testimony and transformation journey. They're like, I've been able to release a lot of things that I don't struggle with on a daily basis anymore that maybe someone else is still like right in the middle of. And I hope this is actually like an encouragement to you as opposed to a discouragement that Christ still seeks you out and that there, there is hope and that there is healing. Um, and choosing those, those paths forward are super difficult mm. because like ultimately like food is not my issue and drinking too much sparkling water is not the issue it's addiction and control and a lack of trust, like, in yeah. who God is and who he promises to be. Um, so pushing past those things, because I can give up, like, let's say the addiction of eating all the time, but I'm going to replace that with something. Yeah. And I have to choose to replace that, quite honestly, just straight up with the word of God. Because mm -hmm. when I don't, like, I'm far more apt to do whatever it is I want to do. So I find myself, like, being compelled in my flesh to, like, sit down and, like, zone out and just watch a ton of Netflix or just like keep eating. It's okay. Let's justify whatever it is we're doing right now. Those moments as a sheep have been very poignant, mm. just like super right up in my face. And I know exactly what I'm doing. Mm. And before, I don't know that I knew what I was doing. I didn't like the way I felt, but I don't think I realized how trapped or lost I was. Mm. Yeah. And this time it's like, I know I'm walking over there yeah. <laughs> to the to the rocky crags where I might fall off and I just like can't help myself because it looks so beautiful. <laughs> and yeah, I know I'm going to die like that kind of intensity. Yeah. So that's the way it lo it's looked like for me lately, hmm. but also I'm accepting his love and grace like a lot easier. Like I don't feel like when he approaches me, I'm running away. Like mm. I desperately want him to come find me Yeah. and to pick me up and let me know that like, it's okay and take me home and show me how to repent. Like, I don't want to be living in those moments um, the way that I'm living. I want to live a surrendered life back with him. So, like, the last week has been much, much better. And there's very intentional reasons for that. Like, I'm intentionally in a season of fasting different things on purpose. Um, and I'm not perfect at it. I mess up a lot. But I feel like I'm accepting his grace in that and having grace for myself and letting him lead me into new places of just letting him love me. Hmm. and letting him find me, letting him bring me home without me kicking myself the whole way or like, you should just shear all my wool off because I deserve to be ugly and horrible. <laughs> like, just letting him actually take care of me and, and make me into the sheep he wants me to be and just stay near him on purpose. 
um, which looks like saying some hard no's to some things, um, relationally, spiritually, mentally, emotionally. But, um, and repenting a lot, like just straight up apologizing to the people around me when I'm wrong or my kids or, um, I mean, ultimately to God, because when I sin against someone else, I sin against him too. But yeah, those are some, some things that I've just very clearly have seen lately. Hmm. That's good. Anything you want to share? Nope. All right, then. All good in here. Okay. <laughs> Perfect little sheet. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Uh, I would say I feel there's been... feel like some of those moments feeling seen have come through other people lately that God's used other people mm-hmm. to kind of um, see me. There's been some moments of just like him revealing it directly to me, but um, I feel like more lately it's been through other people, mm. which is both really good um, because like when other people see things or say things, like it feels... Um, more real, like rather than the, okay, is this me? Is this not or whatnot? But like when other people say something good or bad, it's like, okay, that feels more real because someone else is, it's not just something I'm making up in my head or wondering if I'm making up in my head. Um, but um, the other part about that, that's partners can't hide. Like yeah. when somebody else says something, it's like, okay, what do I do with it? Because now, you know, I know because you just told me. So what mm-hmm. do I do with that information? How do I proceed and, and go to God and, and truly try to live surrendered in that? So, um, mm. yeah. That's good. Yeah. I feel like I didn't actually answer that part of your question very well. Like, how do I feel seen? But I do think he's done that through people hugely hmm. lately. Yeah. Whether that's in an encouragement, like yeah. I see this in you and you're valuable and loved or um, parents saying that to me about their kids, like mm. how grateful they are that I've like done something when I don't even know that I've done that thing yeah. um, or meant that to their kid. But also in like constructive criticism, like, hey, I'm mm. calling you up yeah. into this. Like I see this in you. Um or I feel like God is using that as a, a just a very clear, like, I've been saying these things to you, but I'm going to put words to it through your people, through my people and your people that will call you up into a space where, like, I see you and you're okay, but come back this way. Mm, like, yeah. I got you. And just a profound peace lately. Like, there's been a lot of anxiousness and depression I've been walking through um, for various reasons. And yet there's been, like, this profound peace mm. as well, yeah. um, which... I really sensed God gave me that word at the beginning of the year. So to hmm. profound, that, that's yeah. a weird word to have for the year. Profound <laughs> peace. Oh, peace. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah. I really feel like he's continued to do that. And I'll forget that that's the word he gave mm-hmm. me. So I'm like, why? I have so much peace in the midst of such sorrow lately. Yeah. Um, and not just like my own sorrow, but sorrow of people around me. And then I remember like, wait, at the beginning of the year, you spoke that to me. Mm. You would be with me and it would be okay. And there would be peace. Yeah. So there's been a lot of hard already this year, but there's something about practicing the, um, being grateful in every moment, rejoicing in every moment and being patient in tribulation and, um, 
persevering and hard things while having gratitude and praying constantly, like just being grateful and rejoicing and praying, which includes listening to him and like being in his word. Yeah. It's it's just so profoundly peaceful. Yeah. That's good. Yeah. So yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Yep. Appreciate you sharing what you share with the kids. Yeah. Awesome. Well, all right, everybody. Hope you have a good rest of your week. Yeah, I hope that spoke something beautiful and true to you that you needed to hear, maybe Mm -hmm. that you need to share with someone else that Mm -hmm. you're loved and seen by the creator of the universe who breathes life into you, and you can't do anything to make him love you less or go to any place he can't find you and bring you home. So, yeah. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I hope you all have a wonderful week, and we will talk to you soon. Adios, amigos.